0: To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss.
1: This podcast contains explicit language.
2: If you stayed away from TV and Twitter over the weekend, you might not have noticed that the federal government shut down. Well, it did. Last week, Republicans' unwillingness to settle the status of undocumented dreamers led Democrats to oppose a bill to keep the government open.
3: By the end of the week, as congressional leaders scrambled to strike a deal, one thing was clear. A shutdown was definitely looming.
2: Essentially, we have another
4: government shutdown looming Friday. Government shutdown looms again. Government shutdown looms. Government
0: shutdown looms.
3: Then on Friday at midnight, the shutdown happened. Over the weekend, negotiations continued and the argument raged. Whose fault was it and what would we call
4: it? Democrats are calling it the Trump shutdown. We are in a Trump shutdown.
3: We're in the second day
4: of this Trump shutdown. Republicans are calling it the Schumer shutdown. What we're calling the Schumer shutdown. i think in the end. Un- the voters will see this is a Schumer shutdown. Schumer shutdown. Schumer shutdown.
2: Shut on Monday, lawmakers reached a deal to fund the government and maintain the status quo for the next 17 days. Pretty quickly, a catchy narrative had emerged. The Dems had caved.
1: The president tweeting late last night, big win for Republicans as Democrats cave
4: on shutdown. The Democrats caved. Did Senate Democrats caved. Democrats caved. In exchange, they got very little.
3: Shortly after the Senate voted, I talked to Democratic Senator Sheldon Whitehouse. His argument? This was the best Democrats could get. When you have
4: the party that supports you controlling no part of government, it is uh, impractical to expect that you'll be able to dictate terms.
2: We'll have more from Senator Whitehouse later in the show. But first, we're joined by Adrian Reyna from United We Dream. A dreamer himself, he's disappointed that the Democrats couldn't reach a better deal. Then we'll hear from our congressional reporter, Matt Fuller. He argues that calling this a cave isn't quite fair.
3: I'm Arthur Delaney.
2: I'm Elise Foley.
3: And this is So That Happened, the HuffPost Politics podcast about things that happen in politics, special shutdown edition. Hello, this is Arthur Delaney. I am joined in studio by my colleague Elise Foley. Hello. And we have a special guest, Adrian Reyna, a director of membership for United We Dream and a dreamer himself, here to talk about the great Democratic cave of 2018. <laughs> or at least it sure looked like a cave, but there's some debate about that. Adrian, what do you think about the decision by Chuck Schumer and Senate Democrats? to end the government shutdown by agreeing to vote for a bill that did nothing for dreamers such as yourself?
0: Well, you know, I'm I'm frankly a little frustrated um, because really the, this promise that they got from McConnell is no different than the promises that we've seen in the past from Republican leadership about doing something about it. But it does nothing to stop deportations of people like me, people like my sisters, people uh, and so it's really important to point out that we went all the way to this point, right? Like the country was forced to make a choice about dreamers in this country. Um, and so I'm disappointed that we couldn't get more out of the, out of the situation and out of what uh, came about. Now, Elise, Democrats say they got something.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So there is a slight difference than there was on Friday. Which is that now McConnell, the majority leader, has said publicly on the Senate floor twice that he intends – his intention is to hold a vote. So why don't we listen to the audio of that?
3: Yeah, let's listen to that. This is what Democrats got.
4: Should these issues not be resolved by the time the funding bill before us expires on February 8th, so long as the government remains open, it would be my intention to take up legislation here in the Senate – that would address DACA, border security, and related issues, as well as disaster relief, defense funding, health care, and other important matters. So that's it.
2: Yeah,
3: and so... It would be my intention. What does it mean exactly? Can you just explain that, Elise?
2: Well, so it's it's one of those things where, like I said, I mean, it's it's more than they had before, but it's still not really that all that much. So... He is saying that he intends, would intend uh, to hold a vote on something. It's kind of broad what that is. We don't really know. But he says addresses DACA and border security and other immigration issues, which like a lot will hinge on what those end up being. Um, But then you have a problem where you go to the House and McConnell can't make any promises about what Paul Ryan will do. So it's a you know, they got something, but they didn't get what they asked for, which what they asked for is a vote. Um, I asked uh, Dick Durbin, who's a the uh, Democratic, he's the minority whip in the Senate uh, a week ago. He's kind of the top champion for Dreamers, whether he would accept just a promise of a vote or if he needed a vote. And he said that, you know, promises you can't trust them. <laughs> and then he went ahead and voted for it. So, I, I mean, w- what do you make of do you, do you think that they just kind of chickened out, do you, Adrian? Do you think they just
0: gave yeah. up? I think that it, it all came down to the politics of the shutdown itself, You know that uh, people wanted to get out of a shutdown as fast as possible, and this was the one thing that they could cling to uh, that Senate moderates were going to be happy with. And I think to this point about why I'm in the position of we actually got nothing it's it for me. Is the details of what McConnell said, right? So he said DACA fix, border security, and other related issues. The other related issues is a intentionally broad piece that he mentions of things that in a regular process there are plenty of Republicans in the Senate who would be ready to amend any sort of legis- dream like legislation that would A, either cross our, what we are comfortable with as immigrant youth, as people directly impacted, people in border communities, that they know if it's like that, it won't have the support that it needs for Democrats to rally behind it. And so that is oftentimes the strategy that we find the far right employing and saying, look, We got to go after chain migration, which, you know, in the issue of chain migration, to be blunt about it, it's me being able to petition my parents once I become a U.S. citizen and people really having a problem with that, when in reality it's something that has existed, and I think it's my right as a human being to keep my parents with me, you know, and so and,
2: I mean, what what they want actually would go far beyond that. It's not just to make it so the dreamers couldn't petition. It would make it so that everybody couldn't petition for their siblings or adult children. And so it's it's kind of an interesting thing, I think. Sorry to go on a little tangent, but they talk about, you know, Democrats bringing up unrelated issues, but something like chain migration, which we you know, that's kind of a the term that restrictionists prefer. Um, family-based migration and the diversity visa lottery that they want to get rid of; those are totally unrelated issues. Tho- to those DACA.
3: are legal immigration
2: exactly policies, and, so-
3: and DACA is a question of of uh, people who are not here legally having their status resolved because they've spent their entire lives here.
2: Yeah. So would you, could you kind of lay out what you see as those things that you, you know, Dreamers, United We Dream, would not feel comfortable accepting as part of a deal?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think that this piece of family migration, right, and, uh, and the piece around the diversity pieces, which are fundamental key pieces to immigration policy as it exists today, um, we know that there, is, there are forces within the White House led by Stephen Miller, and I keep saying, and I'm going to keep bringing up his name, but he is the one that—his issue is not about just, quote-unquote, illegal immigration. It's also about the number of people who come into this country. Right And the regulation that has to go into that and reducing that dramatically.
3: It's it's not weird to bring up Stephen Miller in this context. His obsession with these issues from his career in the Senate is really well documented. Yeah. yeah
2: he used to work for Jeff Sessions, who's now the attorney general, was a senator. And yeah, I mean, I have had a lot of phone calls with him at that time where he would just call me up and keep me on the phone for like 30 minutes just, yeah. oh, you know, asking me how I would feel if a... Dreamer took my job, things like that. So, yeah, So he's obsessed with this. And, and it's people like that who are in the White House kind of guiding what Trump might be willing to accept, yeah. which is, I imagine, kind of a scary prospect for yeah. you.
0: And so that's, that's the sticking point here, right, is that Miller is doing his homework of ensuring that senators and representatives in both in the House, that this has become the issue that they see. Well, OK, if Democrats want to deal with people who are eligible for DACA people like myself, they're like, these are the perfect conditions to get the amendment the amend immigration law permanently now, because they would not be able to do that without democratic votes, like they need democratic votes in the Senate to be able to do that and they know that this is their only chance to get it done, in the event that they do lose the House in 2018, and that you know, they lose the presidency in 2020. You know, it's like um, it's a matter of time for them to get this done. And this is, the, they've made the calculation that this is the right time to do it. And so for us, it's about pushing back against that, exposing that as much as possible, and isolating those issues away from DACA. And it doesn't help when McConnell goes on the floor and says, we'll deal with DACA plus border security and other related issues
3: so the border security is a little bit of a red herring like trump's ridiculous wall and fences and drones and all that stuff is not one of the sticking points like you can he can have his wall yeah as far as dreamers care but it's these provisions relating to legal immigration that could be part of a deal that would give dreamers a path to citizenship but you would still say this is not an acceptable deal
0: yeah i mean i think that there's there's all sorts of ways in which the border debate is happening, right? Like, it's not just about a physical wall. There's all sorts of regulation that goes into building things. There's eminent domain lawsuits, right? So the prospects of there actually being a wall just even realistically are impossible. It's, right? it's a And ju- the administration
2: it's a has backed off from that, I mean, for, for like a year. And yeah, like, oh, it's not C to shining sea.
3: But they, I mean, they'll back off from it, and then Trump himself will be like, "No, we want a wall. Part of it will be see-through." I and mean, it- they've
2: given Democrats such an easy way to be like, "Sure, have your wall." Yes, <laughs> if a wall's not a wall, then yeah, have it, what I take mean. it.
0: This is exactly what should have happened in this debate in this weekend. But is Schumer that, said
2: that that's what he did.
0: Yeah, but again, like I think that um, I mean, we we as United We Dream will never ever be in favor or support any sort of wall or anything like anything that could put people in the border at risk but here's my thing is that yes Schumer said that but then you have like Kelly call Schumer hours after apparently him and Trump had been like yeah totally digging whatever deal they made and Kelly's like no this is too much of a liberal deal so it's almost impossible to enter into the policy making deal making process when you have way too many cooks in the in the kitchen
3: so what i what I see is a weakness of the McConnell promise from the democratic perspective is that in two thousand and thirteen we saw what happens to a standalone immigration bill, and that's essentially what McConnell has said you can have. We'll do a standalone bill. it doesn't get through the house, he doesn't control the house. Mm-hmm. The leaders in the House don't like it even though it could probably pass there. And the entire concept uh, driving Democrats' strategy, which contributed you – know, precipitated the shutdown, was that DACA had to be attached to something that had to pass, i.e. government funding. That's right. So they could – you know the, the the bill that opened the government did so for only 17 days. This could come back and happen all over again. Uh, what What do you think of that prospect?
0: I mean I think that that you know if you think about it in the context of like war um and like the way that they've set the parameters for each other is that the the republicans have said and the and the Democrats implicitly have agreed to a standalone process, which you know i I need more time to really think through exactly how that's going to move forward and what's the pathway to winning in the Senate. I think that the self-imposed deadline that McConnell gave himself of saying if there's nothing by the 8th or what is it that he said something about it has to be done by the 8th.
3: If if OK. So what he said was in the process of negotiating the next funding bill, they could include all this stuff. Um, so, there's a, there's a chance immigration is part of the, the next uh, appropriation. But he then said, you know, if it's not, we'll do it on its own.
2: If the government's open. If
3: the government's which open. Which makes
2: it a little hard because that means that if Democrats use this to, you know, vote against funding the government again, then he can say, well, I said you could have this vote if the government's open, so you're going to have to trust me again.
0: That's right. And
2: have this vote. So th- it's it's really complicated in terms of the leverage. Yes, yeah, yeah. a
3: little bit of chess. I think it's uh, I de- so Democrats seemingly decided that they were losing the shutdown politics, which I thought was questionable because my understanding of how this came about. You know, Republicans said, "Well, Democrats voted against a bill, and the, the bill would have funded the government, so they voted against, and it, so it's their fault," which is ridiculous. You can just as easily say Republicans have a responsibility because they control the uh, House and Senate to put forward legislation that can pass. The additional context is that Donald Trump rescinded DACA in September and set a March deadline. So it didn't come out of nowhere. I I thought it was strange that Democrats were unwilling to make that argument for more than two and a half days. How do you see that?
0: well i I think that they caved right? like while all the national politics was focused on the leadership, I think i, I don't know, but there there was I saw many reports about in the states where Senate moderates where Adam were talking about Ohio with brown, um in Klobuchar was also going through this. like all of them said, They lost sight of what exactly they needed to get out of the shutdown. The strategy became get out of the shutdown as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. And I heard many things from many sides. We didn't think that we were losing the shutdown messaging at all. Um, But I heard someone in in, people in the Hill, their whole thing was if we keep this going, people are going to hate dreamers. Yeah and we said I don't know that why do you say that like is that just your own insecurity about this process or cuz we don't feel like that's true was, I think was there that... some
3: historical well, guess... precedent for that kind of thing happening that kind of polling dynamic where there's collateral damage to a different group or issue
2: I mean, they I, I'm not sure about that, but they did. The rhetoric did change about the way Republicans and the White House talked about dreamers. Right. So mm-hmm. before it was, you know, people like kind of similar to what Democrats say They came through no fault of their own. We need yeah. to do something. And then all of a sudden the shutdown happens and it's, you know, these illegal immigrants, like yeah. unlawful immigrants, like the, you know, totally framed in terms of. Yeah. These are not citizens, Hmm. Americans versus non-citizens. This is a fight between them. So, I mean, I think that they were trying to frame it as away from dreamers. And I I don't know whether that does, you know, kind of taint people's perception of dreamers or not. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's it it was an interesting dynamic. And I think, you know, probably not entirely unexpected coming from the White House.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, I I think that. I don't know where the Democrats are getting their polling from, right? Like, and, and I think that should definitely come into question here. I think they had the upper hand and just stepping away from the issue of DACA and just overall politics here, they should have been able to get more. I mean, the, the, it was five Republicans who voted against it. They had like 14 votes that they needed to give. Again, it's a sim- I, I see it as a very simple way of them being able to say, look, you don't have the votes that you need to keep the government that you control going. We have those votes for you, and here's what we want in exchange. Like That's just the frame that I feel democratic communications should have geared towards instead of getting stuck on process stuff.
3: I, I think one aspect of this is that Republicans were just extremely ready to to spin. Uh, they it was the most uh, press releases and, and it's tweets tweets by Republican leadership aides uh, were, were just overwhelming political media Twitter, which I, sadly I think was like a major arena for for the uh, the communications battle that happened. And that's that's weird.
0: Well, because they were ready. I mean, if I don't know. The, my team put together a report immediately within the first 12 hours of the shutdown, and we were looking at um, the amount of tweets and impressions that, that Schumer's shutdown was getting, um, and it was a lot more that was coming from—like, the major accounts were political accounts— Whereas with Trump's shutdown, it was lower impressions, but we had like a, it was just like celebrity accounts that we're seeing. Well, there was also a, a major
3: uh, Russian yeah. robot component to yeah. Yeah. the
2: shutdown. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah.
3: Um, well, that was weird to me because I thought it was a shithole shutdown. Uh, Trump's shithole comment being a, a major precipitating event because that was when he sh- uh, rejected a deal that he himself had demanded. Uh, you know, the particulars of it are, are debatable, but. Everyone came out and said, wow, the president's racist, people who had resisted saying that. And yet somehow shithole went by the wayside for the most part, uh, which was surprising to me. It was only like a week ago.
0: Yeah. Uh, but then again, like that's the Democrats, right? Like missing an opportunity, you know, like the opportunity was there to pin this on him.
3: Uh, Adrian Reyna, thank you so much for coming in. Elise Foley, thanks to you as well. We'll be right back.
5: That's stamps.com. Code program.
3: Hi, everybody. This is Arthur Delaney. I caught up with Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, a Democrat from Oregon, after he voted for the funding bill on Monday. Take a listen to this short interview in a Senate elevator on our way to the subway. There are some dreamers who are mad. Uh, they feel like Democrats sold them out. Um.
4: They shouldn't be. Particularly when you have the party that supports you controlling no part of government. It is uh, impractical to expect that you'll be able to dictate terms. So that means that what you have to look for is progress. The two things that I think dreamers should look to here are first, well, three things. First, the extent to which Democrats put themselves out there to try to make progress. Second, uh, the extent to which we have now solidified something that otherwise might never have happened, which is a winnable vote on the Senate floor. And third, how this has provoked statements not only from Democrats, but also from Republicans about the sympathetic uh, nature of the dreamers predicament Could you? and that's brought a good tone to all of this all three of those things are real progress and I know it's frustrating to have to be patient but that's the thing about democracy particularly a democracy with separated powers you don't always get everything you want all at once
3: Thank you, Senator Hello, so that happened. Listeners, this is Arthur Delaney. Thank you for listening, and thank you also for giving us ratings of four or five stars in iTunes. If we don't get those ratings, we will we will have no food to eat. Thank you.
2: Hi, this is Elise Foley, and I'm here with my colleagues Arthur Delaney. Hi. And Matt Fuller, hello, and we are going to talk about Matt, your piece, which is headlined "The Case for the Democratic Cave." So basically, you um, talked to people and made the point yesterday that uh, Democrats still have some leverage in this debate over immigration, and that it does not necessarily is not maybe as terrible dire, uh, yeah, uh, in terms of the the strategy (laughs) as what. you know, a lot of people think. So can you just yeah. kind of lay that out for us?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing I'd say is that um, they they didn't really give up their leverage, right? They, I mean, this is a 17-day 17, 17 CR. So this fight is just marginally delayed a little bit. Uh, in that time, um, they're hoping to start moving forward on immigration. Now, I think what's likely to happen is an, yet another CR um, and you know we're, we're sort of relying on some of Mitch McConnell's promises, which I think a lot of liberal progressives were like, well, you, you should never do that. Well, the alternative here was um, voting no on this uh, cloture motion, the motion to really end debate and basically continuing a, you know, I, I think Democrats don't want to hear this, but it was a Democratic filibuster, which was um, you know keeping the government closed. What happens at that point is. Demo- uh Republicans just dig in further. We were seeing this on Saturday with the House, and this this position from Republicans is we're not going to negotiate until they reopen government. And I do think that you know every everyone's polling on this is pretty consistent that government shutdowns are bad for um, the people who, who are responsible for it, and I think that. By and large, for three days over the weekend, people were sort of blaming Republicans. But the more and more this went on, uh, the more toxic the sort of shutdown was going to be. And I'm not sure that Democrats were going to be um, safe from you know the criticism here because frankly, it was a Democratic filibuster that was keeping the government closed. And we were debating a CR that – uh, the objections were mostly – I mean there were some objections in the CR but mostly about what wasn't in the CR, not what was was in, which is – that's like Ted Cruz shit. I mean we went through this in 2013 and, and Democrats flipped out about that.
3: So it's, it seemed to me that the Republican publicity machine went into overdrive. And the, in other words, that Republicans were extremely ready to work really hard all weekend to pin this one on Democrats like Brandon Buck.
1: The Schumer shutdown.
3: Right. Brendan Buck invented the term Schumer shutdown. Brendan Buck is a, a spokesperson I, I'm not sure he
1: invented it, but he, well, the House it, Republican Conference, I think, invented it.
3: They, they were going crazy on Twitter, and it seemed like Twitter was a- uh, That's where the battle's at. Where the battle was happening. <clears throat> yeah. I,
1: uh, yeah, the hearts and minds. Well, no, uh, well and, please
3: and, analyze the, uh, the well, publicity strategy. Yeah, well, for I the mean,
1: for, for yeah, the, the quick answer is uh, two things. First of all, Republicans were, this is the Schumer shutdown, Um, blame him, not us. And they were pretty effective in this. I mean the starting point for a lot of people I think was – well, Republicans control the House, Senate, and White House. Um, so they're the party in control. This is on them. And they were pretty effective in saying, well, you know, hear us out for a second. This is a clean or, or generally clean CR. I mean, there's there again, there are some things that are not clean in it, certainly. And there are some things that Democrats object to. But by and large, if you had thrown Doc on that, I think almost every Democrat would have voted for it. Probably every Democrat would have voted for it. So it, their objection wasn't with that. And, and Republicans were effective in making that case that you're holding this up over stuff that you know, we just haven't come to an agreement on, and you're basically holding us hostage, holding the the, the government hostage by saying um, we need this agreement now. When uh, frankly, I think they were pretty far from an actual agreement. There's no legislative text on this Graham Durbin bill. Um, there
2: is, but th- th- is we there? can't see it.
1: Okay, well, I mean, it hasn't been vetted it in it, any way. And, yeah,
2: it hasn't. It, it hasn't vet come the out tax yet.
1: Bill, so what? Right. Well, there's that too. But so, just to get finish your Republican question, they were they were sort of. Um, becoming pretty effective, I think, in that argument. Now the the other weird thing about this was then when the Democrats quote cave, it becomes the the hashtag becomes the Schumer sellout, right? And it's the ultimate case of having it both ways when you're saying this is a terrible thing for Democrats and and oh my God, they should end the shutdown immediately. This is the Schumer shutdown. And then the next instant when Democrats vote to reopen government being like, uh oh, huh, hashtag Schumer sellouts. Now, wait a minute. I thought DACA recipients called him a sellout. Did Republicans call him? Oh, yeah. They were, I uh, said, so this was, oh, the, weird, is, this was the weird thing. Well, and, and, and actually, I think the that.
2: The problem th- is having that S name that sounds so oh, good yeah. with <laughs> shutdown and sellout.
3: It blows the my mind that we couldn't get shithole shutdown going. And I
1: tried, you know, it was the top story on Huffington Post. <laughs> I guess the cursing was a, was a real yeah, barrier. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm thinking that those hashtags don't do as well, but. Anyway I, I mean they were yeah they were they were pretty effective in messaging this. I also would say that um, Democrats and progressives were were I thought pretty effective in in making their message. I mean again, uh, the case here was that they don't have an agreement on DACA uh, and basically, you know the democratic left is saying you we need, we can't Fund the government until we have that agreement. Well, that that's a major shift in where Democrats have been on on government funding bills. They've always sort of voted to keep the government funded. I remember Sherrod Brown a couple weeks ago I was asking him about this um, idea that you know they could shut down the government. And he was very clear: Democrats don't shut down the government. We're not going to ruin our reputation with that. Um, and here we are, where um, you know. I, we can play the blame game here on on who actually shut this down. Obviously, there's a lot of blame for Republicans not negotiating here, not coming uh, to the table in good faith. But um, ultimately, what we were talking about was a, a short term CR, a continuing resolution, just to keep the government running while lawmakers debated this. And yeah, you know, there's again, there's some arguments that Republicans aren't doing this in good faith, and you know, um, you need sort of a drastic demonstration that you're going to do something to get the concessions that you want. Um, But yeah, I think that this was sort of a muddled message for Democrats and the longer it went on for Democrats, the worse this might have gotten. Obviously, dreamers enjoy a huge um, level of public support. I think there was a a poll in September that was like 86% of the public supports dreamers who are already here who were protected by the President Obama order, the, the DACA order. They support them staying and Democrats were actually worried that um, dragging this on making it a you know in the republican words illegal immigrants versus you know government shutdown and and, and they're the ones blocking it and they they thought they were going to sort of poison public opinion against streamers who currently are very popular well they
3: they were explicitly saying it's illegal immigrants over american children who benefit from the children's health insurance program
1: yeah, and, so it was a, they were portraying it as a direct trade-off, and we have made that we've taken CHIP, right, the Children's Health Insurance Program, off the table, the negotiating table, and, and Republicans were using this, and I think pretty effectively, to say, oh, look at Democrats, you know, who have been, um, you know, crying foul about CHIP for so long now. This is a program that expired in October, and, and it functionally there really hasn't been any real repercussions of this because states have been able to use the existing funds that they have, but. That was that was going to be an issue coming very soon and Republicans were saying you know look at Democrats holding up this bill that's just government funding and chip and we've taken that off the table uh, that's that's gone now so then you have a February 8th CR they're going to be arguing again about uh, immigration and um, I think we'll probably get another CR and this will sort of drag on again and again and again where until there's a solution and frankly if the Democrats don't give up their leverage um, they're you know, this isn't a horrible. This isn't the cave that everyone thinks. Particularly because Mitch McConnell did say things on the on the House floor or Senate floor, which will be hard for him to sort of wiggle out of. And um, you know, this becomes a fight of. And I think this is a stronger fight. This is a stronger argument for Democrats, which is, you know, give us a vote, Mr. Speaker. They're gonna they're gonna be able to. I think, depending on if McConnell keeps his word, and if he doesn't, then this, the Democratic case gets strengthened there too. But if he does keep his word and they are able to pass a DACA bill on the Senate floor that's bipartisan, then it becomes a fight of why won't the House give us this vote, right? And and I think that the public generally thinks it's outrageous when you have a bill that would get uh, majority support that's not getting a vote because someone's holding it up.
2: I mean, I I think that that's true. And I think that that will end up uh, probably being the argument that happens. But Uh, I mean, I think it's important to remember that the whole argument for putting this in a must-pass bill is that that happened. We've seen this happen in 2013. The Senate passed the immigration reform bill pretty overwhelmingly, got a lot of Republican votes, and then the House just sat on it. And it's pretty universally acknowledged at this point, even among Republicans, that it would have passed, but they didn't put it up for a vote. I think that the dynamics are different a little bit when it's Dreamers versus a larger comprehensive immigration reform bill, but I think there's still a lot of ways that this could go wrong, and I think the biggest one is that there's this potential to put in all these measures that Democrats just are not going to support um, in exchange for this, and so I think it kind of will depend on how far Republicans try to push it, how much you get. Um, you know, Schumer uh, reportedly said that he didn't want Tom Cotton like in the room. Uh, which honestly, I mean, I think makes sense. I wouldn't, if I thought that there should be, you know, if I was trying to work on a deal, I wouldn't want him in the room either. I don't think that he really wants to do this. Um, I don't just, know what's in his head, but I think that that'll be the big question, right? Is whether they put so many things in it that they lose democratic support and then they can't pass anything,
1: the, the only even thing, if they the, get a vote. Yeah, but the only thing I would say is, is you know, you're saying what could go wrong in this negotiation? Well. That it, it's it's really a relevant question only if you think things were going to go right. If, oh yeah, totally, if, totally. If, and and I don't think that was going to happen. If, if anything, continuing the shutdown was going to drive away the Republicans who were at the table negotiating with Democrats. And there was a group about ten Republicans with I think about ten Democrats who were sort of negotiating a bipartisan immigration bill. And they do seem to be making or they were making some progress here. Um, and if you said no, we're going to continue with the shutdown. It makes it very difficult for those those Republicans to keep on going into those meetings and keep on negotiating. When there was the House Republican Conference, um, their message was, we're not going to negotiate until you reopen government. And I think that that seemed reasonable to a lot of people that, uh, you know, we can reopen government and then we can talk. And it was going to make it the climate much diff- more difficult for uh, sort of a deal there.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that at this point, just given Trump rejecting it, this Graham Durbin bill – having their names on it, maybe as the top people, is not going to be the thing that the House will be willing to accept, or now the president. And so... Um, well, they it, said they
3: would start over. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't use Graham Durbin Yeah. So now they're
2: saying that they're going to do a more conservative bill. So uh, Senator Corker uh, was saying yesterday that he thinks it's just going to be, need to be something more conservative, have overwhelming Republican support, and then maybe they can get it through the House. So I, I think... Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was pretty clear that there was a total breakdown in what was going on before this happened. So I'm I'm not arguing that I think it was going to happen before the shutdown um, and, you know, would have happened if they'd kept the government shut down. But I, I think just I've thought for a while that there are just so many ways that this could go wrong, even if you have a bunch of people going to the Senate floor and saying that this is fine. And you also see Republicans saying, well, you know. We don't want, you know. John Cornyn was saying this weekend, we don't want to not do anything. We think this is, you know, important. We want to do it by March fifth. But, you know, if we didn't, what would happen is people would lose their work permits, and like that's bad. That's not good for like businesses. But they, you know, they wouldn't get targeted for deportation. So it's, you know, they're already laying the groundwork for like, oh, well, it's not that big a deal.
1: Mm-hmm. And 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 we yeah, I mean, I've I've thought for the longest time that the ultimate the ultimate cave here is uh, they can't reach a deal and basically the deal is to you know, extend government or whatever um, is that Trump does something on the executive order side. I know you've said that that's basically impossible with DACA but um, I still think there's something there where it's not necessarily a legislative fix and they kick the can again until November and have an election and see where things go but uh, you know, obviously Democrats want a legislative fix. Obviously Dreamers do. I think a lot of Republicans do. Um, it's it's just a question of sort of when and how and what that that looks like and I just don't I'm not sure that um, you know continuing a government shutdown was the best way to do that.
3: Isn't it kind of weird? How, so Paul Ryan has promised the House Freedom Caucus, the conservative guys, that there won't be a, a, like a DACA style immigration bill. They're going to do this other bill mm-hmm. by Bob Goodlot.
1: Um Wh- and wh- Raul Labrador and Mike McCall. And right, and- all these really yeah. conservative We'd guys. be remiss not to mention their names, too.
3: Why Why is the Speaker so beholden to this one faction in the House? Why do they insist on passing things with the majority of <clears throat> the majority? It's called the Hastert rule, and Kevin Has- uh, Dennis Hastert is a guy who is, uh, I think, in prison?
1: He, I think he might be out right now, like, actually. Why,
3: oh, he's, I just, why is that still in style? Uh, why, don't, why are we stuck with that? You know, in other countries, so governing coalitions. The one
1: one thing I could say is is to to get the conservative freedom Caucus's endorsement, uh, and it wasn't really an even endorsement, but to basically have them agree to su- support him or not block Paul Ryan from becoming speaker was uh, he had to agree to this idea that no immigration bill would come to the floor without a majority of the majority. And this is one of those one of the hills that that these conservatives I think are willing to die on. They are willing to oppose Trump here. Um, they, they know where their bases, their constituents are and frankly, the people who go out and vote for these folks in the Freedom Caucus who are generally conservative people have very conservative people on immigration who are their supporters. Um, so if this is a deal that they don't like, they're going to forcefully oppose it and they have proven time and again they're not afraid to um, take the most extreme measures, whether it be voting down a rule in the House, a procedural thing. Um, but the conservative freedom caucus is really the only group that has the intestinal fortitude to stand up to the speaker and vote against Republican priorities and really cause trouble for the speaker and for other Republicans. And that's why you have to sort of keep them in mind throughout this entire process. And I think Ryan is running scared. So you know, how does he doesn't this all want work the out?
3: job? He didn't want the
1: job. Why is it, You know, why not just uh,
3: throw it on the floor? Let it pass, and I mean, then let them throw you out.
2: The thing is, Boehner, I mean, he didn't do it right because Republicans would have. T- he didn't put the um, 2013 bill to a vote because Republicans would have freaked out. But then he, and ousted him, right? But then he got kicked out anyway.
1: Yeah, so, I mean,
2: I mean, maybe right? Isn't no? An idea I mean, there's definitely an irony to it.
1: That's and this is something we wrote about um, in December. That conservatives were that explicitly worried about this possibility that he doesn't want the job, uh, he seems to be preparing to leave anyway, maybe in November or f- for the next year. Um, so the idea that and and frankly they they've always thought that uh, Ryan was supportive of DACA, which he's basically he said, as said much, he was right. right. he right.
2: used to be working on a bill, right?
1: But although and he Explicably. was working on the 2013 bill, as I recall, too, um, he was a, a, a bill, yeah, yeah. Well, either way, they they they're always they've always been suspicious of him on that, and they've always thought, um, as part of the sort of the barn cleaning that John Boehner did at the be- end of his speakership, uh, Ryan could do a similar thing by saying, you know, oh, we're just going to vote on this, and and you know, I'll take the fall. See you later, guys, and you know there's some legitimate concern there he's obviously dismissed it very forcefully that he's going to do that yeah but that's
3: what he would do if he were to be planning this this right. is how he would proceed like no i'm not going to
1: do that right. you don't say well maybe i will <laughs> 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 i don't know time will tell and time i think that tell. we should
2: we should note on the good luck bill that thing is like would be dead on arrival in this oh time.
1: yeah i mean it's extremely there's no way yeah.
2: democrats would vote for that it's i think that um you know it's got the border security stuff and – it's got a wall. It's also got
3: uh, – Yeah,
2: a wall. But yeah. honestly, the wall – Democrats have said that they're willing to cave on the wall. Why couldn't they – uh, it also has all this stuff on cutting legal immigration, yeah. uh, totally criminalizing. Right now, it's a civil offense to just be in the country without legal status, making it a crime. Um, there's all sorts of – Sanctuary about city stuff. Sanctuary cities. Yeah. Uh. E-Verify, just all sorts of stuff in there that Democrats would not consider a a good deal. And also, it doesn't even give legal status, permanent legal status to dreamers. It just would be kind of like a DACA again. And even people in the Senate, like Tom Cotton, say, we need to do something permanent. It doesn't, you know, we, America has never to, you know, he always says, to my knowledge, America has never had this permanent underclass of people who are not allowed to be citizens. So, if that's the road the House goes down, that's not going to be something that would go anywhere. And actually, Nancy Pelosi um, has supposedly said to Paul Ryan, do it. Put it up for a vote. Put that up see for a vote. Goes. Put up this other bill, this bipartisan bill in the House that's pretty much just border security and a fix for Dreamers. Put them both up. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Maybe Paul Ryan will do that. Maybe not. But, uh, I mean, that's d- Democrats are like, fine, do it. So, so anyway, this (laughs) will all be very interesting to see. I mean, we have a few more weeks, or, you know, potentially much more than that, but it'd be good to have you on again, and we'll talk about what uh,
1: the next shutdown. The
2: next shutdown. Thanks, Matt Fuller. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Thanks,
1: Arthur Delaney. Thanks, Elise Foley.
3: (laughs) Bye.
2: So that's what happened this week. This podcast was produced, edited, and engineered by Zach Young. Our executive producer is Nick Offenberg. I'm Elise Foley, and this week we were joined by HuffPost reporters Arthur Delaney and Matt Fuller, as well as Adrienne Reyna of United We Dream.
3: So That Happened is available on Apple Podcasts. Check out the whole family of HuffPost podcasts in the iTunes Store, and while you're there, subscribe and tell your friends. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about, send an email to So That Happened at HuffPost.com. And thanks for listening.